0: Welcome to Black Earth Podcast. I'm your host, Marian Atieno Oseiyo. Black Earth is an interview podcast that's celebrating nature and the inspiring black women in the environmental movement. In this episode, we meet with Marjan Finlayson, a climate change scientist, educator, and activist from the Bahamas. Majan shares with us the impact of severe weather and climate change in the Caribbean and what climate justice means for communities and nature.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, my name is Marjan Finlayson. I am a Bahamian from the Bahamas, gotta clarify that. But I am a Bahamian climate change researcher and educator, and I work in the sphere of social enterprise meets scientific education meets basically climate prediction and weather.
0: Amazing, thank you. Um, Marjan, how would you describe your relationship with nature?
1: I, uh, whew, I had to reflect on this when I saw it, you know, like when I think about nature right I think of it as a restorative um space but also some in the sense that isn't something that I have I saw someone write this today have dominion over like I have control over nature it's something that I walk into and I'm blessed to be a part of if that makes sense there was a there's a moment in my like time where I was explaining to you earlier like in my past um I worked in a rural community and in that community, like I'm from the city of the Bahamas, Nassau, but I was working in a rural community where I actually worked where there were less streetlights, right? There are street lamps on the road. So every night you go outside and you just stare at the stars. And when the electricity went out, you could see every star in the sky. And it was just like a reminder of how, not how insignificant your problems are, but like how we are like all connected how like even though things seem overwhelming, it's like th- look at all this beauty outside. Look at how lucky you are to be able to see these things. So I think for me, my my um relationship with nature is one where I do hug trees, but I also am so fortunate and lucky to be a part of this community, I guess, with nature and be in community and have it like restore me when I feel at my lowest. We speak
0: a lot about environmental care. Um, and I really believe that uh, cultures all around the world have their own ways of earth care that's embedded in, in their cultures. So yeah, what are some of the ways in which earth care is um, expressed in Bahamian culture?
1: Well, I think for the Bahamas, one of the things that we really care about is like, you know, originally fisheries was a big deal for us. So a lot of things go into like protecting marine resources, keeping marine protected areas um, up to date. There's also more of a push to protect terrestrial life and things like that. Another thing I don't think people know about that I really didn't recognize about my behaving people is how much how much people really do care about like not just themselves, but the animals that they actually interact with as well. So we have a thing where we have a lot of street dogs, like, you know, that's all over the place. And in different parts of the Bahamas, you definitely see them, like different street dogs. We call them pot cakes um, because they're just so like different varieties, you know, and pot cakes, the Royal Bahamian pot cake is like a literal term. Like people refer to dogs like that. And like in different parts, like when I lived in Eleuthera, the dogs were street dogs who were part of the community. So like you knew the dogs didn't belong to anyone necessarily or they lived in one's yard, but they still were free to roam everywhere and you knew them. So like, oh yeah, I see Pogo and JJ acting silly. Like you knew who the dogs were. You know who the like, character characters. And in your head, you kind of felt like they know you. And people would gossip about these dogs. Like they were like people, you know what I mean? Because this is like, they, they're part of the community. And in that respect, I always found it different from the city where the Royal Paw did have like uh, people who were in community with them these dogs respected, like, the rules of the road, right? Like, they didn't poop in the street. They went in the bush. They knew what it was. They were very respectable. So I think, like, in the Bahamas, we have a lot of cultural um, dependence on nature. We recognize, like, outside of, like, animals and, like, um, fisheries, we recognize the beauty of the islands that we live on. Um, and so we take a lot of advantage of that, you know, doing um, focusing more on ecotourism with, like, kayaking trips and things like that. And like tourism is another thing to talk about entirely, but it's the way that we do take care of like natural resources have become a big part of conversation these days. And we have people who've always been advocates and conservationists in the country and just like people's grandmothers who really, truly and honestly respect nature and understand how it works, like culturally being passed down. Right. Like we respect the podcast, but we also respect that it's important to put your clothes on the line because you know which direction the wind's going to come from. We know how the weather is going to work because of this small, like, um, handmade sail that someone told you way back to when. Um, You have songs dedicated to nature based on like how it's been. You know, and I mean, the greatest uh, natural phenomenon that people have respect for since the beginning of this country have been hurricanes, right? So there's an understanding of how you can expect the storm to come because the clouds are grey, or you can smell the rain, you know, things like that.
0: I wanted to ask you what the, the current, like, science says about the connections between severe weather, like hurricanes and climate change um, mm-hmm. in the Bahamas and across the Caribbean. Can you share more about that?
1: Oh, yes. Um, so this is, you know, I love this field. I think it's so cool because, and I also want to mention this before we get into it, just because it's one of those things where it's pretty young, like the, like in terms of like climate change studies, but more specifically hurricane Um, studies within climate change like someone who is considered truly the godfather of hurricane studies is literally still alive you know what i mean like he's literally at mit teaching right now and it's crazy to think about because you know you have all of these people who are dedicated to this one um thing but to be a person who cares about the actual space you're in um being from like a small island developing state it's a huge 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 thing so like you know Someone who has like lineage, who's listening, and you have lineage from like the Bahamas or Jamaica, and you care about this stuff, definitely get involved. Um, so i i I just wanted to make that point because I always I always try to like tell people who identify with um, the like these identities, like in the Caribbean, even like small um, Southeast Asian countries. It's important that you know, like, you have your identity matters in this space as well because your advocate, like your advocacy in this space is important on climate change stage. Um, but with the latest science, I, one of the things that's important to note is this, a lot of studies really come from um, the UK, from the US, but there's also studies that come from UE Mona in, so University of West Indies Mona in Jamaica. And what we've seen is that we are currently experiencing hotter nights, We are experiencing longer summers. We are experiencing drought in certain areas. Um, And we are also experiencing more severe weather, right? So we are seeing more intense heat in the summers. And we are seeing more flooding in certain specific regions that hadn't been flooded out before. Um, And like what we expect. So with hurricanes in particular, one of the things that we expect to see is like there have been studies that have shown like, you know, Hurricane Dorian passed in 2019. And one of the reasons that was such a huge deal for the Bahamas, and it's one of those things that they've been predicting since, you know, 2011, um, was, you know, th- the rain intensity would be worse. Um, globally, with her with um, climate change, you know that there's more, like, water cycle, right? More evaporation, more condensation, um, and, you know, more humidity. And I'll explain that in a second. But when there's more collection of water in the atmosphere, we find that like the, and there's more capacity to hold that water vapor in the atmosphere, that when the um, precipitation part of it does come down, it's more intense rainfall. And we're seeing that globally, like throughout the world now, there is less, there's if there's more capacity to hold water vapor in the atmosphere, that would mean that there is more time that it takes for the precipitation to fall, and when it does rain, it actually really, truly does pour. So we're finding out with hurricanes that that's happening more infrequently. And then another thing that's actually um, working along with that, right, so you have this intense rainfall that's happening. And at the same time, sea levels have been rising, they've been rising, like they're going to continue to rise, Um, icebergs are melting, Um, the ocean itself, water molecules in the ocean itself are expanding with heat. Um, So you're seeing actual like water rising. So when a hurricane passes through, you have this intense rain that's coming through. Winds, you know, could be at higher levels just because there's more energy that's going into the hurricane with the heat. The surface, sea surface temperature meeting like the increase in possible humidity in the atmosphere makes these hurricanes more intense. And by intense, you mean like the wind speeds are faster. And then there's also a concern that translational speeds... So there are two kinds of speeds. When you talk about um, rotational speeds, it's just how much spinning is happening with the storm. But when we're talking about translational, we're talking about how quickly the storm is actually moving in its particular path. And there's also concern that that is actually slowing down as well. So you're seeing like slower translational speeds. You're seeing increased rainfall. You're seeing possible increased um, wind speeds because there's more energy in these storms. And then there's also the increased sea level. So when the storm passes over, you have more water able to actually flow and flood places so like that happened in Grand Bahama um and Abaco in the Bahamas with Hurricane Dorian where we saw like a lot of places got flooded like places that had never been flooded before had experienced flooding to the point where like you had videos where like sharks were in the street and that happened i think was it last year or a year before in Florida same thing happened where there was a hurricane that passed over and the actual like water had come too far up to the actual like in the road like it was in the roads in parts of Florida and this is something that we're seeing um with storms now and we only expect it to get more intense as time goes on because you know if there is no stop well if the what's if the heat from climate change isn't like mitigated if we don't see any mitigation coming from like this we expect it to continue
0: when we say like climate change is like making some of you know severe weather like tropical hurricanes even more intense, what is it about climate change that's causing that?
1: Okay. Um so I can give you the break, um the breakdown, breakdown, breakdown.
0: You can give so- the the <laughs> you can give the the quick, you know, wiki one-on-one breakdown. You know, someone was like Listen. so. Because because I think climate change means so many things. We yeah. know scientifically what it means, but it means so many things. So if someone asks you, like, what is it about the climate changing? Like what that's actually causing the intensity
1: of, of mm-hmm. the weather in the Bahamas? So when it comes down to it, you know, like I, I when I break it down to people, one of the things I realize is like after Hurricane Dorian hit in 2019, a lot of people in the Bahamas, a lot of Bahamians, only still associate climate change with intense storms. That's it. They don't really understand what it is. There's no connection, right? So there's had, there had to be a breakdown where we explain it from a point of view that climate change is the atmosphere that we live in heating up over um, a fast period of time. And what that means is we have... So I, I like to mention these things because I recognize that people don't really know the wording, Right. So with climate change, it is the changing climate. What is climate? What So like, what is climate? Climate is the long-term atmospheric condition of a place over time. And the place has to be um, affected geographically based on where it is, right? So we know that different climates exist all over the world. And we know that if there is intense heating that comes with that, those climates will change. So you'll have a change in the poles. That's normally the climate is very cold there. You will see a change with heating where um, ice is melting, glacial melt is happening, where it's harder for animals that exist in those climates, like polar bears, to survive because their climate has changed. And the reason that happens is because we have greenhouse gases that are contributing to the greenhouse effect. Um, and so when you th- think about the greenhouse effect, it's a necessary thing. It's like a blanket. That exists over the world, right? So just think of like a a wool blanket over a sphere of the Earth, and there's like little holes in the blanket where the sun's rays go in and trap heat. The blanket is able to trap heat, so the sun's rays can like keep, so we could keep heat on Earth, which is necessary because we can't survive without it. If there was no greenhouse gas blanket in our metaphor, if there were no greenhouse gas blanket. All of the sun's rays would reflect and heat would reflect off of Earth and go back to space and it would be cold and a lifeless planet that we can survive on. So these gases and this blanket is necessary for us to exist. But with climate change, what's happening is just imagine like you have your blanket with the little holes in it, but then you take another blanket and you put it on top of that. Well, now you're blocking holes. So like some of the rays and some of the heat that wants to leave Earth can't leave, right? Right. Because some of that's bounced back onto the blanket and some of it's re-radiated back on Earth and some of it goes into these holes in space. But if you have double the blanket, it's harder for those um that heat to leave. So you're trapping double like more of the heat that's not necessarily wanting to be trapped on Earth. And that is increasing the heat in the atmosphere, and that isn't causing climate change. So that's where we have um that's what climate change is. And so with that intense heat, you know. You have more extreme conditions, right? More heat, you have more water cycle things happening. More water water cycle things happening means that you're gonna have more rain, you gotta have more intense stuff happening that we haven't seen before. Um, you're gonna you're gonna see a lot, a lot more different things on Earth. And that doesn't even talk to like the what's going on in the ocean, which is a whole other thing, right? But yeah, that's like the that's like the breakdown one.
0: Wow. Mm -hmm. That's like one of the most straight up and straightforward explanations I've heard of climate change. So (laughs) thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Because, you know, I'm so conscious that to a certain degree, I do feel that uh, climate science, or just climate environmental science in general, can be quite technical.
1: But Mm -hmm. I also feel
0: that there's so much information that we can gloss over the basics as as a as a community, because we have a shared understanding of what these things are. But for someone coming in, they they need the basics to be able to really understand how climate change is affecting and changing the world, you know? Mm-hmm. Very, very beneficial to us. But Grand Bahama remains under the devastation of uh, Dorian. Uh, 120, 140, I'm sure you'll give us a a weather update at some point. Uh, But these winds, 110 and dropping, but that's still sufficient wind, as you well know, to create more havoc here on the island of Grand Bahama. Light rains, the flooding continues, and from east to west, Grand Bahama, Dorian has impacted us in a bad way.
1: You don't need to be outside
0: right now. There are too many persons outside driving up and down. And some of the... Could you share with us a bit more about the the impacts on people and nature of uh, hurricanes becoming more intense in, in the Bahamas and the
1: Caribbean? Oh, I'd love to. Um, so, you know, one of the things, right, like, you know, as a scientist, one of the things, like, I have always, like, in my earlier parts of, like, my studies, I've always cared about is just, like, the actual, like, what's happening with the actual atmosphere? How are the clouds moving? What is going on? Um, And I've been very lucky to work with people who are on the social side, you know what I mean? Um, And, like, even, (laughs) like, that's me yes. <laughs> that's me yes because you
0: sometimes butt heads because it's like <laughs> why can't you see what I'm seeing <laughs> and you're like why can't you see what I'm seeing
1: <laughs> like, like why don't you care about the clouds no you need to care about the people it's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's crazy I've um but you know, like it, you know, it's oh, I don't know how you even talk about it, like because it fills me with so much joy, you know, because you know I've worked with, um, one of, one of the treasures of our country that like there's a world-renowned scientist, um, Dr. Dal Thomas, who like it's like between me and these other um, wonderful, wonderful girl um, folks, professional female um, professionals in this field who've like worked with her and know what it is to like um, learn the social part of the climate science for me. And Dr. Thomas has been, you know, she's been in the UN like climate change intergovernmental panel, Like she's written the reports. She's an amazing person. So every time I do an interview, I'm always like big ups to Dr. Thomas. But one of the reasons I say that is because a lot of her work has focused on the social aspects of climate change and where the geography things happen and one of the things I never really sat down and thought about which is like a huge huge deal for my country um and like other countries of course but because we in the Bahamas are an archipelago of like different island islands this is something that happens that we don't really think about and that's really the migration internally of our people right um so like back in the day like there are different islands outside of um New Providence where I live which is this like city capital. And like those islands are pretty rural in this certain aspects, like, aspects except for like Grand Bahama, which is like second city island, right? So you have people who would move from different parts of diff- like different islands in the country, moved to Nassau and Grand Bahama for work, or like move to Miami to do work, and like you know we have like a whole Bahamian community in Miami based on things that happened way back when. And I mentioned that because migration is never something that's been like not like a thing, but recently we'd had storms like. Um, Hurricane Irma in 2017. And then there was Hurricane Dorian, of course, in 2019. And what we have seen from those two storms from Hurricane Irma is that people had to leave their homes in the southern, southeastern part of the Bahamas, which is like more rural. And they left in 2017 and went to Nassau to live because the storm had destroyed their home so badly. And now in 2023, they still haven't gone back, right? Like that was a huge thing, it was huge migration. After Hurricane Dorian, a lot of people tried to migrate, like a lot of people moved from Grand Bahama and Abaco to Grand Bahama and Abaco, sorry, too excited, to Eleuthera, to Nassau, to Florida, to like Canada, and they hadn't returned, right? And so we've seen a lot of loss in those communities because of actual migration that happened because of these storms, because where will we go? So one of the huge things that we have a big concern about now is like climate refugee. Like, is like, what is that going to look like for us? Because so far, the capital has been very lucky in the fact that we are able to bounce back and we haven't seen the brunt of these storms to the extent that the other islands have. So one of the huge things that we have for like other Caribbean islands too, like the Bahamas is a collection of islands. Other places like Jamaica and Puerto Rico where it's one place, what does that mean for them? You know what I mean? Like after Hurricane Maria hit, you know, the kind of the kind of living conditions that you have to live through. And it wasn't even just Hurricane Maria, Maria. There was the ice storm that happened last year. I can't remember if it was Isaac last year, but it was a storm where um, folks in Puerto Rico did not have clean water. They did not. Um, they were not living in good conditions. They did not have electricity. There were many things that were happening in the place because, you um, these storms hit and there was no recovery effort that um, took place to make sure like we were able to get people back and migration would have been daggone near impossible, right? So migration is one thing, but then also like access to clean water is another. Living in a particular space, of course, like people dying in these places. And because of all of those things, you know that in these places, in these countries, there will be a loss of culture. Because then the next thing is I don't want to be around for the next storm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to see, I'm not trying to be in the Bahamas for the next Hurricane Dorian, so where will I go? And so we risk losing a lot of our culture with these, like, big storms because of fear of what they can bring and fear of, like, what the aftermath of these storms can look like and fear of, like, what resources we have to um, survive these storms. After a big storm hits right, or after there's a huge extreme event that happens in these countries, you have to find the money to rebuild. And to find the money to rebuild, um, whether that be taking a loan from the World Bank or taking a loan from a private um, equity firm or something like that, you have to find the money to rebuild. So we find the money to rebuild and then your debt increases. Okay, the debts got gotten higher. So let's say you had a debt to, I don't know, um, let's say you had a debt to a bank. Right? Um, Your that's a bank, but you can't pay on this debt. So, another private company, let's say it's Salvador and Sandals, not a real place, just made it up entirely, but let's say Salvador and Sandals sees that the Bahamas has this debt to this um, big bank. They go to a big bank, they say, We want to buy this debt from the Bahamas. Okay, they bought the debt out. Okay, Salvador and Sandals, that's good stuff. Thank you so much. Actually, now you gotta pay the rest of your debt to the big bank and the part of the debt that Salvador and Sandal went on, they're gonna increase their um, repayment, so you have to pay them that too. And with all these debts and with all these loans, so and I gotta pay Salvador and Sandal, who's not even a country, just a random private equity firm. I gotta pay big bank and I have to consider that even though I'm gonna be paying these people back, another storm could hit and I'm gonna to have to ask for another loan because I can't, I got to redevelop. I got to get this country back and the economy cannot fail. So then another private equity form can come in there with a the bigger debt and buy a piece of that off.
0: So now out of nowhere,
1: in a couple of years, you will have debt for like five different private e- equity firms that have to pay them back at particular percentages that have gone higher than the banks. The bank isn't going to pay you back any money because you haven't been able to pay off the loan that you already had from like, I don't know, 2000. And so, like, this this, like, vicious cycle. And in this whole thing, this whole thing, the one of the biggest problems is that the storms don't stop coming because the storms don't care about your economy. The storms are going to hit regardless. So there's no clause within these loans. There's no, like, clause that comes to say, like, you can be, like, there's no, like, hurricane forgiveness loan, in the loan. There's no, like, natural disaster forgiveness in these loans. It's just a matter of you rebuilt, you got to pay us back. So now you see like in 2022, Mia and Motley literally saying we need forgiveness in our loans. We can't pay these back. Like it's impossible if you want me to come back and pay this one thing off when um, a storm could happen in any way. And we know they're getting more intense and I'm going to need more money. So now you have that and then you have a carbon tax that they're trying to bring to like big companies like um, Shell and like BP that you guys are going to continue to admit you need to pay taxes to us because we're, we're, we're in danger and y'all are not going to pay us back. So this doesn't work. So with that, that's a huge thing. That's a big concern too. Like I didn't, again, like migration was a big thing, but when I opened my mind to the thought that the climate financing truly is, this is a big business and we really are suffering at the point where it's like, I mean, the way the article described it, right? This is neocolonialism. Because, like, we don't just owe the bank. I owe Sanford and Sandal, and I owe Ezy and this one. And, like, who are these people with this money coming in that I have to pay you money for? And you're not acknowledging my strife. And, like, even... And you know, now we're here now. But even with that, we still have not even seen reparations from slavery in these countries either. So it's like... That part. That part. <laughs> you know what I mean? What are we going to do?
0: that part that part and the disproportionate like emissions from you know not just the kind of um companies that you've mentioned but countries as well you know
1: oh yes oh yes
0: yeah thank you for bringing to light also the conversation around uh, climate financing and debt forgiveness um because i think it's a really important part of like actually bringing tangible solutions like how can we um create capacity for uh the most climate vulnerable countries to, to you know build their resilience and that mm-hmm. is just rethinking uh like how public debt is just operates and and some of the dysfunctions that come in the way that it's it was set up in the first place without an actual care and sensitivity to the the kind of political as well as geographical realities of countries like the Bahamas yes. uh, when these loans are being given out. Um, so thank you for bringing that to light. Feels like the first time, throw away our all- how do um, race and gender um, shape the way different people um, are impacted by um, the effects of hurricanes? So you've mentioned climate Mm -hmm. migration being one of them.
1: Um, You know, it's interesting. Ooh, think about this all the time, you know what I mean? Um, But in terms of race um, in our country, you know, We've been influenced by the United States South um, because of our proximity to Florida and like the Southern United States, right? And, of course, we were once a British colony. We're currently part of the Commonwealth. Um, and, you know, which meant that, you know, at the top of the, high, the hierarchy of race is always whiteness. And at the bottom is always Blackness. And anti-Blackness persists throughout, has been persistent throughout um the legacy of the bahamas existing right um when we are when we are originated as a country the um arawaks and indigenous people lived in christopher columbus the story is he came to the bahamas and he killed all of them basically genocide started here and the, throughout the rest of the caribbean so and then you know slavery came about and you know that's why i'm here and i speak english um so when it comes to these natural disasters and things happening we have we have a class issue, and the class issue has been influenced by race, of course, in the country. Um, we were in a space where resources, and like you kind of saw it in different places, right? In different islands, you find that there is. Uh, oh, I'm be in trouble for this one, but in different islands, um, there are, you know, there is known. there's no racism, right? Because you have old um, mentalities of like how um, people should be, right? And I'm not saying this is the most progressive country in the world, I wouldn't say that. Um, I would say that in terms of race, of course, whiteness is on top. And there are places in the rural-ish islands, and I I say rural-ish because, you know, a lot of, it appeals to, white people from different countries, like the racism that persists on these other islands, because the idea of the tourism product of the Bahamas is it's so good that I, a white person, can enjoy this thing while having a person of Black descent, like African descent serve sort of me things. Like, I mean, the tourism industry is like exploiting that kind of idea anyway. That's why that is one of the main reasons we're number one in the world. And it's one of the main reasons Like, you have a lot of persons who are of African descent who don't like to come to the Bahamas compared to like Jamaica and other places, right? Um, so no, it's a complicated answer, but to get to the point there, so let's say like in one of the countries, you would hear voice notes where you heard a white person, a white Bahamian literally say these savages are doing X, Y, and Z after a hurricane happened, right? And the savage they'd be referring to is a black Bahamian. Like that would be not unknown. So, and A big thing that happened with Hurricane Doring as well, and this also goes back to like anti-Blackness, is we have a huge immigrant population of Haitians, right, in the Bahamas. And what's worse than being Haitian, right? It's the same way like you have Italians in like a space in uh, the United States. What's worse than being Black, right? As an Italian, I'm going to put down Black people because I want to be higher up in this scale. As a Bahamian, I'm going to put down Haitians because I don't want white people to view me as the same as them. Even though, you know, you probably share ancestry, realistically. Like my grandfather, my great-grandfather is Haitian. But a lot, and a lot of people share that story. But a lot of people won't say that, right? So what's worse than being Haitian? So you already have people who live in this particular, like in the, kind, like let's say in Abaco. We had a lot of people in Abaco who were already refugees and like lived in these specific regions. People who had children who were Bahamian, but they were stateless because they couldn't go to those offices because they were here legally, right? So you have a lot of people who live in these like, camp, like these areas. Um, one of them was known as the Mud. And this is like where there was a shanty town in Abaco. And you get to understand in Abaco, a majority of people who are from there would have been white Bahamian. And there's a smaller black Bahamian population there. Um, so when Hurricane Dorian hit, <laughs> you saw when it came to rebuilding stuff, a lot of rebuilding went to like, white Bahamians and, like, white folks down there. Even though Grand Bahama got more resources quickly just because Grand Bahama, um, again, is, like, a second city and Abaco is not, really. Um, So there was a lot more um, resources that went toward Abaco getting rebuilt or people being able to go to different islands versus, like, being a Haitian person in that country. In that island, not (laughs) country, but being Haitian. They didn't receive... That there was like, you know, immigration or um, right now we're going through this thing with our politicians where we are like shanty towns have to be destroyed. Like people can't live in these spaces anymore. And it speaks to an impoverished an issue of people being in an impoverished spaces as well, because Bahamians also would live amongst Haitians as well, because this is where the, poor, the poorest part of the working class would live. This is where you have like... These richer, whiter folks would have them in these spaces because I need you to do this menial labor for me. You know what I mean? And at the same time, you turn around, turn your back and have people in these positions. So I think one of the biggest undiscussed, and I feel like Dr. Thomas, who I mentioned earlier, has a paper about it that will be coming out shortly, or it already has come out, talking about like Haitian migration and how that's been affected. In terms of, like, the gendered part of the issue, um, it's it's deep, right? Because we don't have many female politicians who actually, like, in the Bahamas, I think we have, like, seven women in the House of Parliament now, and that's historic. And that's seven out of 40-something. Um, we don't really have laws that focus on, like, gendered issues. We don't really think from a gendered perspective. So when these things happen, when you have, like, a situation where you have to get ready For a hurricane and you know you have to deal with an abusive husband boyfriend or an abusive like father uncle cousin is one of those things like or even considering being trapped in a space with someone who was abusive to you right um there's an issue with um i mean realistically like you have abusive abuse patterns in families that you have like male family members who abuse like um female and like small children and they're in these spaces that are Like you lock down, like COVID was an example of that too. Like you lock down because of COVID, which could be considered part of a climate crisis situation because like we expect increased disease with climate. But you lock down in the space with this person who is abusive toward you. And it just increases um, the chance that you will be be abused, you'll be killed. Um, There'll be more alcohol abuse in your presence, substance abuse, all these other things. So yeah, it's a... It's a very. I hope I'm answering the question, but it's a very like multi-layered thing. Mm,
0: yeah, you've definitely answered the question, and um, for someone who is a climate scientist, quote unquote, <laughs> and doesn't do social, you've you've really <laughs> you've really uh, brought to light the social dynamics of what happens in. In um, events that are triggered by climate change, like what that actually looks like and what that means for people and existing social relationships and social dynamics, um, and this is this is what we mean when we're we're thinking about the face of climate change. It isn't just what people look like, but it's like how that affects the way we've lived before um, mm-hmm. and when, when uh, disasters or a big event happens, it just magnifies the, the things that were already there before. Um, and it makes certain people more vulnerable to, mm-hmm. to not just the impacts of what's happened, but just the ability to recover is even more um, it's just more hampered it's more limited because of those existing social structures and that's why you know tackling anti-blackness matters that's why um addressing gender-based violence and intimate intimate um violence matters because you know we need not just because you know you know on on their own they are wrong you know we shouldn't mm-hmm. ever have societies that enable a violence um in in any level, but it's just, when we're talking about climate change and how how that manifests in our relationships and our communities, this is what it looks like. It's people Mm -hmm. being more vulnerable to to violence. It's people being displaced. It's um, different expressions of anti-blackness coming out, even between black people, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's so important as part of us building our resilience to address those issues as well um as well as addressing the climate science part of it it's also the the social and the human element of it
1: because we can't we can't really do the climate and this is the part where you know like in climate science in general i struggle having these conversations with other scientists right cuz you know here i am small black girl from a small black country hey guys you got to focus on this thing the social element is so important to um the climate like addressing climate, right? Because we cannot actually get anything done without acknowledging the um, needs of doing these specific, specific things, right? And I think one of the issues, like in the giant climate movement, right? With a TM and the rainbow behind it. In the giant climate movement, you know, there's this idea that it's a squeaky clean idea that we can just switch off and we get like, ah, we just have to put our brains together and make it work. But there are so many things that are impacted. You have anti-blackness for sure. You have gendered um prop like gendered issues like misogyny that is a big thing in it. There is also how we deal, how we treat people who are considered othered, who have very important voices that need to be brought to the forefront, right? And I always say like in Bahamian politics and in like politics in general yes we need more women there for sure but we need non-binary people there as well because we're not really addressing the issues that people who identify in these communities who identify not as um, male or female like what they're experiencing When we think about climate and how we can like lower greenhouse gas emissions, the re- one of the reasons we can't do that is because the world won't work, won't work, right? The world that we live in right now won't work. There is a possibility to build a new world. There's a the creativity to do it, right? And that's why I think it's hugely important that we bring every voice to the table. One of the issues is persons who are already in power with the world we live in would oppose that because in order for everybody to have a seat at the table, some people have to get up you don't want it to move <laughs> so it's like we can't get anywhere if other people are not willing to move and listen to people to get to those spaces and places and just the idea to, like you know it's also like how cultures approach different things in terms of nature right just to even bring it back to my royal Bahamian potcake. cake we in the bahamas let the dogs roam i have seen people take my royal Bahamian potcakes. cakes in the house, and say, you are now a domesticated animal. No, we don't do that. They live amongst the streets. That's who they are. That's part of, they're part of our communities. I know them. I give them a piece of bone, and I continue about my day. That's who you are. They're part of nature. And this idea that we have to control nature, right? We have to quell it. We have to make it into this thing. We have to work with it. Yes, we do. But it's the idea that With climate change, there's still this idea that we can control it, right? We can control nature around us. It's not being realistic. It's not like after COVID, the world has literally changed. And we're not acknowledging that. Do you know what I mean? We have to acknowledge the fact that one, we aren't as big and mighty as we seem. Two, this exploitation of people gives you this idea that you are, right? This exploitation of like resources, of animal like habitats, all of these things is making this idea that the society we lived in, live in is bigger than the world that we live in, the natural world. And it's just, it's not realistic. And it's it's hindering us from actually making progress toward a world that is more sustainable, that is more equitable, that is more accessible to people. And puts us in a position where we stand a chance against climate change because here's the other thing we can't really stop the climate from heating up like we're already at that point of no return where it's going to continue but we need to figure out a way to make the effects less work, like less horrible but if we continue doing what we're doing following the same path um doing this same exploit and that's the thing you know people will say You know, and like in the IPCC reports, they say it so delicately, like people will always say, we as the human race need to figure out how to switch this up. Right. And it's always like a yes, COP26, clap hands. Wonderful. We're going to stop using coal in 2021. You should have stopped using coal in 1970. You know what I mean? Like, we're just figuring out, like, we're going to stop doing the bare minimum, to continue to have the world run the way that it is run. And that's not realistic to the situation. If we're going to be drastic, radical change is so necessary. And in order to have radical change, we need to bring everybody to the table and treat everybody with their respect and understanding and take everyone's voices into this, um, into this moment to actually help for change. We have to find a way. So like within country, right? One of the things, initiatives that I'm, Really doing my best work on now is in climate adaptation, using our culture, our perseverance the things that we've done in nature in the past to adapt to climate, right like we always knew flooding existed, so my grandma used to live in a house with stilts. we gotta bring that back. this whole western world of how to build houses is not it's not the way to go. We have to think about ways to make our to make things more accessible to people, right. Like we live in a society where we gatekeep so much to keep certain people on top and certain people on bottom to to exploit people to do particular work. And realistically, we need to live in a society where people have a baseline of education, a place to stay, food, water, safety. Like people need to be provided those things. And if that comes from the community versus like a government official, we just have to be real about, we want our communities to take care of each other again.
0: What advice would you share uh, with other young Black women who are interested in pursuing climate science, climate research, and, you know, even education, public education? What advice would you share with them?
1: Um, I would tell them to take an acting class, if they would. Um, Only because (laughs) (laughs) it's such a silly bit of advice, but it's so true. Um, only because it's good to, um, it's fun, right? You know what I mean? Like working in climate science and getting into this thing is, is hard. It's a very difficult, um, it's a very difficult realm of work. And I think that to do this work requires so much of you. It requires so much of you stepping into space. You have to think about so many different things like we talked about today. To do climate science in general, you get in a place where an imposter syndrome can get you. Um, And then you have to do public speaking. And it might be nerve wracking to be like, And I mean, realistically, you can be the only person in the room several times, whether that's the only woman, whether that's the only black person, whether that's the only black woman, whether that's the only black um, woman from a different country. You will be the only in so many different places. And I think, like, I actually learned this um, from an apprentice I have, who I think is the best person ever. But she's like, yeah, I do acting as well. And I think, like, acting is, like, taking an acting course is so fun. It helps you with your public speaking. It gets you out of that mindset. And it puts you in a position where, you know, you're vulnerable with other people. And you can make connections with other people of different places and spaces that keeps you from being bogged down by the fact that like another person who might not identify with you is um an issue can i can i say like that right like it puts you in a better position to deal with people i think and also have a good time and also try it might be a good hobby but it helps with public speaking it's so much fun Your presentations will be better. People will want to hear what you have to say when you go on the radio and talk. So I think it's a very good, and like interviews, when you want to get jobs, interviewing is great. And I also think another bit of advice I would give is um, shoot for the stars and be polite.
0: And how can we support your work? um you've launched a number of platforms uh, in the past year (laughs) no it's amazing um so yeah how can our community support your work oh thank
1: you for asking marianne um i oh so i am right now working on a few a couple of few little things um you can follow me on twitter um i'm marjan f you know uh and also same on instagram marjan f easy to find, easy to follow. I am working on Climate Edu Bahamas, which is a climate education uh, platform that helps uh, Bahamian teachers and Bahamian students learn about climate change in a plug-and-play lesson form. So you can go on YouTube and watch our first episode. It's online, it's live, it's so fun, it's running. Um, And then also, just be on the lookout, we also have climateedubahamas.com, which Marion found me on. Um, and you can check that out for more information on that platform. We also have the, what is it? Development, Advancements, Preservation and Sustainability Collective that is working toward teaching, not really teaching, but working with communities to build a green city mindset, focusing on thrifting, sustainable, uh, cardboard recycling, trash sorting, composting, all types of things to work in rural communities to build um, better strategies for climate climate adaptation that we can do in our small communities and build better. Um, and then finally I have my little forecast. If you ever want to see what the weather is like in the Bahamas, you can subscribe to my newsletter, Finn forecast, all on my website. <laughs>
0: Thank you for joining us on today's episode we'd love to hear your thoughts and you can connect with us on instagram linkedin and tiktok at black earth podcast make sure you're subscribed to our podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast see you in the next episode